Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Angler's Happy Hour podcast. In today's show, we speak with our good buddy, Rob Lever. We talk about a sinking camera boat, Nick becoming a wake surfer, and Rob tells us some super inspiring stories from his time on his organization called We Love to Fish. Hope you guys enjoy. Yeah, uh, we are coming at you, the three of us, and we've got a really cool guest uh, coming up shortly who we will talk about. But first, let's just run around the table. Uh, Nick, what are you up to in uh, Wyoming, man? Here I am, man. As we like to joke, the islands islands of Wyoming. Uh, <laughs> dude, I'm just up here enjoying these 90-degree uh, highs in the afternoon. It uh, was a long ruling summer in phoenix as you both well know and uh, i'm just i'm just loving life up here man it's a it is really nice we uh we've been getting out on the lake a couple times since i've been here but you know unfortunately i've actually been contributing to the lake lice so i don't know if i have to turn in my microphone now or if the listeners are just going to unanimously vote me off since i've been you know turn it in now okay sweet dude i'll give me a return label and i'll go ahead and ship this (laughs) mic back because uh yesterday man we went out on the there's a lot of water around here, but we've gone to the same lake twice now. And my uh, niece has a, a boyfriend who has like, gosh, man, like the, the double throwdown, super nice, almost brand new, like terrible surf boats that throw like so the 20 foot waves. He has it or his dad has it, bro. No, no, it's his. Really? Wow. Yeah. So, so my niece is 26. So she's, uh, you know, we kind of have some age demographic yeah. things going on there. So, and he's a super successful. Dude, he's a super plus G's man, twenty six on one of those. Dude, he uh he's a super successful cat. He he takes care of his business for sure. He's actually uh interesting. He's a real estate guy, so we've I've enjoyed meeting him and getting to know him. But somehow I guess in that bromance over real estate, he convinced me to get on that thing, and instantly, man, I sat down and I just I felt like cognitive dissonance. I felt like who I am as a person was drastically threatened, but. Uh, we threw some 20-foot waves off the back of that thing. I think I saw a few <laughs> little aluminum boats get capsized and, you know, like all their tackles spraying away like it always happens to me. But something so about me, throwing the wave is better than receiving it. Nick, tell me, does everyone flip you off when you're going down the lake with that thing? Dude, you know, it's so hard to see over those waves. And then, you know, we had all that, like, techno music pumping that I couldn't hear him yelling, bro. Like, it was just, you know, I was yeah. I was, I was, was needing, like, I was fist pumping. You know, I had the white frame sunglasses on. I had the real short bathing suit. Sticker I was living the dream. Hat. Yeah, dude, you bet. You don't rip that off, flat bill. Yeah. <laughs> that's Nick now, folks. Right on. Yeah, so that's that's what's going on, man. Traded the rod and reel. Well, that's cool, dude. Glad you're at least getting uh, getting out on the lake and getting to enjoy some good weather. Uh, yeah, thanks. Rob, uh, you've been doing a little bit of guiding? Yeah, a little bit of guiding. Um, one of the trips, I took out one of our listeners by the name of Scott. He's a, a fireman here in the valley. Awesome. Uh, second time I've taken him out. Um, the first time I took him out was three years ago, and he was going in for sh- shoulder surgery that next day. And this time he's going in for back surgery. So I guess he likes to go fishing before his surgeries. But he told me during his rehabs and stuff, he likes to uh, listen to us as he's driving across the valley. So pretty cool. Uh, Super nice guy. Uh, We're fortunate to catch him pretty good at Saguaro. The other day it took a few hours to get him going. But once we did, we we started catching him good. The funny thing is, Nick, he actually thinks you're funny. Yeah, so, so, I, so I don't find that funny at all, Rob. I, I'm still waiting for the punchline in that. I mean, clearly, I'm the reason why we have five-star reviews, all six of them. Yeah. 
you know, uh, he thinks Nick's funny because he's only listening on rehab when he's up, hopped up on these painkillers. That could be uh, it. That's possible. That's that's possible. That's Josh, go ahead and flip that mask back up over your nose so no one can hear you. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Scott's a super cool guy. Hopefully we can get him out fishing again. Uh, Dude. Uh, Hopefully that guy, he doesn't have to have surgery afterwards. But uh, I can tell that guy's smart, man. Like he, uh, not only is he a fan of me, but uh, I mean, if you were gonna have to have shoulder surgery, shoulder surgery, would you not go fishing? I mean, if you're gonna get the damn thing repaired anyways, go out there and cast a few thousand more times and try and really, you know, make it count. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> so. I'm gonna get it in while you can, uh, dude. Speaking of the wakeboard boats, I took. So I got, I'm ba- I've been back in town for almost two weeks now, and I took Emma and my parents out to Saguaro uh, last weekend on Sunday morning. Oh, boy. And, uh, dude, I mean, it was it was madness out there. I had high hopes. I've been wanting to take them out. Emma loves to go. And I knew they would love to go with Emma. I know she would love to go with them, so we all went out. But it was a madhouse, dude. It was absolutely, it was just nuts out there, man. We, we didn't last long. It was one of the shortest fishing trips ever. We fished for just a few hours and, and called it um or not even a few hours like an hour and a half and yeah. called it caught yeah. a couple dinks uh then uh, a couple of days later i had a uh, there's a, a company in, in town out based out of tempe um that needed a bass fishing photo shoot done so i went out at to lake pleasant and uh knocked out a photo shoot i guess that would be uh i guess it was yesterday and uh dude one funny thing that happened is that they had a camera chase boat um that they were going to do a lot of their filming from. And the guy that was kind of in charge here was a, a, an experienced boater, really great guy. Uh, but he does, he's got a wakeboard boat, so he's one of Nick's people. Uh, <laughs> but he was at least an experienced boater. But a wakeboard boat is not a great boat to film out of because, you know, it, you can't trolling motor through these areas and, and you're on and off the boat a bunch and, and blah, blah, blah. So they've got an aluminum boat in their shop, an old aluminum boat that's probably, I don't know, 20 years old or so. I mean, it's, it's a nice boat, but it's just older, right? And none of them had ever operated this boat. So in the morning, you know, it's kind of hard to get started. We finally get it started. They follow, they follow me out. We're doing our thing. And uh, we're doing our thing for about 30 minutes. And all of a sudden, dude, I'm sitting in my boat, just kind of working a topwater down the bank while they do their thing, drone shots and stuff. And all of a sudden, a couple of them start shrieking. And uh, I'm like, oh, there must be some type of cool animal up on the bank or something. You know? So I, I don't even look back at first. Thinking they're like, they're kind of laughing a little bit, but they're, they're loud. And uh, finally, I look back, and the boat is sitting very low to the water. Oh, boy. Very low to the water. So uh, I start yelling, like, what's going on? Are you okay? They're like, there's water in the boat. You know? <laughs> <laughs> It had gotten to the point where it's coming through the vent at the bottom of the boat, oh. you know, underneath the console there. Oh, my goodness. Uh, it was a tracker-style boat, not right. a tracker. I don't remember the brand. Um, dude, so I go over there, and I'm like, did you put the plug in? You know, this thing's low to the water. We're up in the river at Pleasant. You know, oh, yeah, you're not near the ramp. And stuff. Yeah, we're not anywhere close to any ramp. And... Um, they're like, yeah, the plug's in. And sure enough, the plug was in. So I'm like, how the heck is this much water coming? I mean, dude, the water, they open the back lid. The water's above the batteries. Oh, my God. <laughs> I hear that's good for electricity. That's not, not like a fiberglass bass boat that's going to, like, dude, float that's no trouble. matter what. Yeah. I'm like, this is serious. They're like, well, can we at least, you know, finish these shots and stuff? I'm like, this is serious. Like, we need to figure this out now. So the bilge wasn't auto. We turned the bilge on, and it starts pumping out. 
maybe a little faster than it's coming in. So that's good. Like we can see that water level starting to go down a little bit inside the boat. But uh, dude, they're like, we're going to lose our sunlight, you know, you know, the sunrise. So they're dead set on keeping going. So like one of them takes a roll of duct tape. Actually, so first we find out what the problem is. The bilge pump actually cracked and blew a hole out of the side of the bilge pump. So somehow the bilge pump still worked, but the housing outside the bilge pump, water was just pouring in into that. It was, you know, the, the hole was the size of a piece of bubble gum, dude. Wow. It, was a, it was a big hole. So they took a, a, a wad of duct tape and uh, they balled it, made a ball out of it and plugged that hole and then uh, wrapped a strap around the housing and it held, dude. I was like, well, it's holding. So we made, the, made it the rest of the day uh, <laughs> with that going on, but that thing oh. almost went down. If you can't duck it, <laughs> it, that one almost went down don't make me edit Nick. i <laughs> see i didn't i i didn't i love you man it's funny i was efficient well for the small amount of fishing i did i it was funny too because like you feel pressure in those scenarios to catch him i hadn't been to pleasant months so i called my buddy jeff who uh is out there all the time and he's like man i bet you catch some early on top water and i was like well i just need one you know really one fish is all you need for a couple pictures in a, in a photo shoot anyway. So I'm fishing pretty hard for like 45 minutes to an hour. And I, I actually uh, lose one and I'm like, dang it, you know, and uh, I finally catch one, like a solid one, like a two and a half pounder, which is a solid yep. one at Pleasant. And uh, I'm excited, man. I get it all on film and stuff. And I'm like, all right, guys, so what are we going to do with them? And they're like, oh, nothing. Throw them back. I'm like, oh. Okay, they're like, yeah, we don't really need fish for this. We're just trying to get <laughs> casting shots and stuff. Like, I've been stressing out for an hour trying to catch a fish. I'm like, you know, every other one of these deals I've done, they weren't like a fishing company or a tackle company. I'm like, every one of these, like, this is what it's all about right here. They're like, no, it's cool, dude. Oh, that's hilarious. You know? They're like, is that a bass? I'm like, yeah, that's a bass. <laughs> <laughs> is that a bass? That, we just got the name of the podcast, dude, for this episode. That, Thank that's you. That's beautiful. Yep. Right on. Perfect. Help me remember that. It was fun. We got it knocked out. Um, pretty good day. A uh, couple couple notes. Um, I did want to uh, let all the folks in Louisiana and South Texas know that we're thinking about them. We have a lot of listeners in that area and uh, got absolutely hammered by Hurricane Laura. Um, one cool thing I did see about that, it was kind of just made me made me feel good to see was uh, you guys remember the hurricane that hit Panama City uh, two years ago? In Florida, there's a massive hurricane. Yeah, so massive hurricane. Uh, I think it was two years ago, maybe three, but Randall Tharp's house got hammered. I do, I do remember. Hammered. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. he, you know, everything Everything he had, I, I don't know if it was a total loss, but he lost a lot. And everyone in his area did, man. It changed that whole region. And uh, a lot of folks went and helped him. And Gerald Sporer was one of them. Gerald, we've had on the podcast, our buddy, Gerald and his girlfriend Maggie actually drove over there and spent like a week with all kinds of supplies, helping them get everything back together and their friends and stuff. So this time around, unfortunately, it was Gerald's area that got hammered. And I don't think Gerald took the brunt where he lives, but their family and friends that lived, you know, 30 miles east, 50 miles east, a lot of them gotten hammered. So uh, I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, Earlier today, I saw Randall had a massive trailer loaded up gas cans, water, pumps, fans, and uh, he was driving from Florida, Louisiana to help all those who had helped him. Return in the last favor. Time. Yeah, That's I pretty thought cool. it was awesome. Yeah. 
Gosh, man, that uh, that region of the United States is so pretty. Every time, you know, when I was on my little adventure driving the motorhome back and drove I-10 for pretty much the whole dang thing. You drove through New Orleans, didn't you, dude? You drove oh, over the bridge I, that, that just got hit. Dude, I did. And, like, you know, that day it rained so hard I thought I was going to – I was felt like I was driving a pontoon boat more than a motorhome. But, man, it's so such a pretty country. But that weather is just nuts, man. So, like you said, we just – we send a big, you know, heartfelt – note out to them letting them know we're thinking about them and hoping everything gets better as soon as it can oh yeah it is it's terrible to see that and recognize so many areas that like that are so special and that bridge you know right by new orleans man the casino uh, one of the casino boats had gotten wedged under that thing and i mean it's it's just Ugh. it's crazy to see uh what's gone down so um talk a little bit about our guest that we've got today it's uh it's a good friend of ours his name is rob lever and um he lives in Massachusetts. Um, we go back almost 10 years now, and uh, he runs a really amazing program called uh, We Love to Fish, where he uh, essentially what he does is he um, he works with and takes intellectually disabled adults fishing. And, um, you know, he talks in the interview a lot about uh, what, you know, what it means to the folks he takes, but also what it means to him. And it was pretty inspiring to hear about just kind of what got him started into it and, and what Rob, what's going on, dude? What's happening, guys? How are you? We're great, man. We're great. You know, we we, we may sound a little bit flustered because uh, we've been struggling for the last hour with trying to get a recording. So, uh, Well, we fired our intern who's in charge of all the audio on this podcast because they suck so bad. And now, you know, here we are just struggling again. So we need a new intern and put it up on Upwork. I was going to say the fishing industry is full of people that will work for free. So I'm just going to throw that out into the interwebs. You should be fine. I mean, we're looking for someone good, a good producer. And yeah, the, uh, the paid uh, dates. They get to know Josh Bertrand. I mean, could you find a better payment than that? Well, you can have the angler happy hour, you know, official intern producer slash pro staff member. Correct. That sounds like a fantastic title. I'll make a coffee mug for it. <laughs> I love it, Rob. That's perfect. Heck yeah. So I know, Rob, you've uh, you've spent some time with Nick. Obviously, we're good friends. We go way back. Um, I don't think you've met Rob yet. Uh, Rob has never met Rob, but uh, we've got Rob uh, listening and, and talking in also here. Rob, how you doing, oh, man? Nice to meet you. I, I'm, it's, a, it's a pleasure to meet you. I'm sorry. When I was in Arizona, I didn't get to meet you. I think that you were probably busy that weekend. I remember Josh saying something that maybe you'd be able to be there, but probably yeah, I think I, you would have been like, this guy's a clown. Yeah, if it was a weekend, I was probably tied up with baseball or something at that point. So, yep. Rob doesn't guide weekends, dude. He uh, <laughs> he doesn't like the boat track. He doesn't like the wakeboarders and stuff. <laughs> right. Fair well, weather. I can understand that. Yeah, I can understand that. Uh, right on. So, hey, Rob, uh, I talked in the intro a little bit about what, what you know about your background with We Love to Fish, and uh, you know we'll go dive a little bit deeper into that here in a little bit, but. Dude, you've done a lot in the fishing industry, um, you know, just over the last 10 years or so, man. Can you just tell some of the listeners about some of the, you know, ventures you've had and, and what you've uh, been involved with? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, the fishing industry is one of those things. It's like a rabbit hole. Once uh, you start, there's, you know, there's a lot of opportunity once you open the door. So as long as you have a unique skill set, and I will admit I've got one crazy skill set, you kind of can delve into a million different things. So it really started, I'm very appreciative of guys like Mike Iconelli and Pete Gluzak. I'm sure you guys know the Bass University. That, that, that was really my start. 
I attended classes. I met the guys. Uh, I'm an IT guy and a marketing guy by trade. So they were looking for somebody to help them with their website and social media. So that was my first delve into it. Uh, that was a lot of fun. I went to, a, you know, did a bunch of the universities. I met a ton of, you know, the pros. Uh, it was like one of those things for me. It was, it was really cool because I was such a fish head. You know, I was, I was fishing locally and I was able to learn all of this amazing information from guys from, from BU. And then that kind of opened the door to my next step. And uh, I, I don't know if you guys, and I know Josh, you know who he is, but uh, Dan O'Sullivan is a gentleman. He's been in the fishing industry probably since the, the age of time. Uh, you know, instead of before Christ, it was probably before Dan when it comes to the fishing industry. <laughs> but uh, uh, he, he, I met him, and uh, he and I had a lot of mutual uh, love of Boston sports, which I know, Josh, you and I both share. Um, but oh, Dan yeah, loves the Boston Red Sox, and uh, we don't need to go into how horrible they are right now. But uh, we, we bonded over a trip to Fenway Park. And it kind of worked into me working on the media side of fishing where I was writing and filming, doing photography. I kind of had to adapt a whole new skill set. Uh, and that's actually how Josh and I met. Was uh, Your first class of Josh, I think I went up and introduced myself uh, uh, at, at Media Day. Yeah. And that's, that, that was kind of my next step into the industry. And uh, you would think that that would have been like my last step. That would have been like the fun thing I was going to do. And but of course, I had to take it like up seven notches. And before long, I was actually, I ran a fishing rod company for a little bit. And that was insane. Uh, I was doing everything from flying to China and doing manufacturing. I was handling a pro team. I was designing. Like who, if, if you would have asked me 20 years ago when I was working on an IT, if I'd be designing fishing rods, if I'd be in China in a, in a factory, you know, well, in, in way high, I don't, I don't think I ever would have been like, yeah, that's definitely what I'm going to do. Wait, so you're uh, saying when you were yeah. eight years old in third grade, and they said, what do you want to be when you grew up? You didn't say like, I want to be an ambassador to the lands of China designing fishing rods. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I, at eight, especially being from New England, we all know I was like, I'm going to be on the Boston Red Sox. There it is. I'm going to be the second baseman because I'm short. <laughs> and there was no way I was going to be like you the first baseman. You had to be the second baseman for sure. <laughs> I had to be the second baseman. But the problem was, especially when I played Little League, I just I couldn't hit to save my life. I was like the only kid. I, I, I think one year in Little League, I had one hit the entire year, and I played every game. <laughs> so did you crouch so down really low and try to get walked every time? Oh, well, you know what? I, you know, I, I was a tough kid, even though I was small. So I was perfectly fine getting beamed in the head every single time and walking to first base. I would have been completely <laughs> fine with that. Well, go, talking about the... You know, New England sports there, you mentioned that, you know, before you came on, Rob, Josh called you a mass hole. Yes, yes. So um, th- those of us from Massachusetts, uh, if you travel around the country, that, that is what they will call you, is a mass hole. <laughs> Man. And a, a fun little stop, and, and Josh has been a part of this, is uh, sometimes I play a character that we do some, like, YouTube videos uh, for Advanced Angler. That's what Daniel Sullivan works for and runs and he's the editor for it, but we make these videos called Mass Hole. And <laughs> they're amazing. The mass Hole in the fishing industry. And it's basically me uh, with a very exaggerated Boston accent. I always have a, a, a New England Patriots jersey on. There it is. And I generally am pr- playing pranks or making fun of professional anglers. Well, that sounds so, worth it. I'm going to go check all those out, man. <laughs> we've done uh we walked in on mike and ellie in the bathroom so you know doing number two 
<laughs> uh, we walked in on somehow we managed to get Kevin Van Dam to put a flashlight, uh, to open his zipper and put a flashlight down. Oh, and we walked in, and so you could see the the light shining against the wall. <laughs> and I turned around, and in typical Masshole fashion, I was like awestruck and flabbergasted, and said, "He does piss excellence." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's awesome, man. I love it. So we, we, we need to bring this back one day. What's that? We need to bring him back one day, man. Yeah, I, you know, I haven't done one in over a year. I got so busy with We Love the Fish at one point, and we, we'll talk about this, that all my focus was We Love the Fish, funding We Love the Fish, that all those ancillary fun things I was doing in the industry, I couldn't walk into sponsorship meetings, and people would be like, hey, this is the you know, that, that dude that dresses like a asshole just crashes the classic. So it was like one of those things I had to stop doing it because I needed people to take me seriously. <laughs> dude, that's a good point. That's a great point, actually. That makes complete sense. Well, you know, it made sense in my head. But then I realized that really they were only meeting me because I was that guy that was crazy and doing those things. And that's really what opened a lot of the doors for We Love the Fish, because people were like, that's Masshole, that's the guy. So, <laughs> I, know, yeah, I, I guess. I should have kept on doing it. Interesting. Yeah. So, well, while we're right here, man, let's just continue, let's continue on, and uh, can you talk about how you started We Love to Fish, what it is, and uh, kind of where it's at now, and then we'll go into, we've got some, some good stories from uh, actual trips we've done with you on that, but um, let's just start by telling the listeners, um, what what it's all about, man. All right, well, could, do you guys mind if we start this? Can I ask you a question, all of, all the three of you? Please. Yeah. All right, what are you guys passionate about? I'm sorry, we didn't we didn't catch that, dude. What 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 are your passions? What are you guys passionate about? What are our passions? Um, mm-hmm. Well, I'll let uh, let you start, Nick. Yeah, man. Well, obviously, we all kind of share the same passion for fishing. So that's uh that's the immediate no-brainer off the top. But man, you know, I uh, for me in my life personally, um, when I became a dad seven and a half years ago, it was one of the major turning points in my life. That uh, that shook me up. It was uh, uh unexpected and uh, it shook me up for the better. I I mean to say there. Um, and uh, it, it you know what I would tell you what man like I that's probably one of my biggest joys in life is trying to do that job the best I can. That's kind of my sappy hallmark moment. So. Yeah, I would say, man, fishing and uh, yeah, family life, man. I so, I agree with Nick. Um, family fishing, hunting, outdoors—that's what I'm passionate about. Yeah, I mean, to echo to echo uh, what the guys have said already, you know, with the, with the family and stuff. That is, you know, my, my priorities changed a lot uh, a few years ago when I had the kids. But uh, I would say, like on the on the fishing side, and, and something that makes me feel really good is uh, is uh, is teaching about fishing, you know, like, uh, whether it's on, on this podcast, talking about fishing, uh, guiding clients, uh, being in a tournament and, and, and talking about what I'm doing and just, just talking about fishing. Those, that would be uh, that would be mine for sure, Rob. And I know, uh, I know you've got some similarities there. Yeah. So that the, the reason why I bring up passion is because that's what we love to fish started for me. That's what it is for me. And that's what it will always continue to be for me is that, I, I turned something that was very simple into such a pass, passion-driven 
goal and uh, such a passion-driven organization that I worked tirelessly to build, and it did nothing but not only help the folks that fish with me, but also help me. So We Love to Fish is we have a very simple mission. It's to uh, find that great day on the water for those that we take out. And those that we take out have, uh, have been intellectually or uh, you know, developmentally disabled. Uh, many of them are Special Olympians. Uh, recently, we started with acquired brain injury. So folks that have uh, acquired a brain injury over the course of their life that live in some sort of group home setting. And what we do is we build fishing as a therapeutic option for them, you know, because most of these folks don't have that outlet. They, they haven't been able to explore that same passion that all, you know, all four of us have. All, all four of us have this passion of, I'm going to turn my boat on, I'm going to grab my rods and reel, we're going to go out and we're going to fish. And so we, are, we have been building this, this passionate fish head base of folks that are disabled, but we're getting them out on the water and we're building, you know, fishing into what they do in their everyday lives. It's beautiful, man. It's an amazing thing. Good therapy. You know, it, it is a therapy, but also I some of the guys that we fish with are turning into, Josh, you may be careful. You might end up with one of those guys, like one of the ones you've met, like Joe or somebody on a boat drop shotting near you on Lake Erie next time. <laughs> they were trying to outfish me for sure when, when I fished with them, dude, and, and they came really close. That uh, you, You've done a really good job of teaching, especially your regular buddies that you take out through the program. I mean, they, yeah, man, they uh, they take it very seriously. Yes, they do. So, you know, they this really did start to say we're going to take them fishing. I, I didn't really expect that they were gonna, we were going to produce all of these crazy fish heads, but, you know, I, I, I'm – Whenever I, I connect with the guys that have been with me through the years, it's always like they are focused, laser focused, eyes on the prize. They're going to catch a fish. They're going to catch the biggest fish. And it's so awesome to see. That's cool, man. And, you know, I think when you create that environment where, you know, there's there's a lot of moving parts to a day on the water bass fishing, right? Because you kind of made that that comment about, you know, starting the boat, loading the boat, taking it to the lake you know, launching it, doing those things, there's there's kind of a high barrier to entry for anyone. And so when there's a, an ability to like, you know, show up, hop on the boat, go out with someone that knows what's going on, probably get on some fish, have some somebody that's going to patiently teach you how to cast and do those mechanical aspects of it. I mean, it seems just like a natural result that you're going to have a ton of fish heads because you have made it so accessible and the success is so inevitable. It's awesome, dude. Like I I, I admire you. I got to meet you once a long, long time ago, and we actually did a trip together. And uh, it was, it was. I, I have nothing but respect and admire you, man. That's awesome. Well, I, I definitely appreciate that. I, I call, you know, we love the fish, my labor of love, because it has definitely been a lot of hard work over the years, and we're dealing with some adversity at this juncture of of the program. But I love sharing it with others. Yeah. Well, and like if you know, and all the. Uh, you know, it sounds like you have a little bit of a corporate background outside of fishing and in fishing. And, uh, you know, you asked us about passions. And nowadays, when you go into that universe, successful corporations are really in touch with their passions and their, you know, their core values and their goals. And it sounds like that's, you know, right up your alley. And one of the reasons why I'm sure you have had the success you've had, because you, you know, you're doing something you're passionate about. It makes it easier to work your tail off. It does. Dude, hey, if I can interject too, like he's found, yeah. you know, he's you've done such a good job also of getting a, 
great partners that wanted to be involved with this also. And, and I know you've hit some roadblocks for other reasons recently, but man, like when this thing was at its peak, uh, you had you had some awesome partners that loved uh, to be a part of it. I did, yeah. It's it's uh, funny because we, when when companies went when I'd initially sit down with them and tell them what I was doing, they were almost like, "What do you mean this population can fish?" They, they were almost like flabbergasted, like they're catching these fish. I have like binders and marketing material with all these pictures of these, you know, men and women with these big fish, and they'd be like, "Wait, this is happening like right now? These guys are fishing." And, it's awesome. And and those that connected with it. More often than not, you always were able to talk to whoever was going to sponsor, and they would always tell you afterwards, like, "Hey, do you know why I sponsored this? Because I've I've got a family member that mm. is on the autistic you know spectrum, or I have a family member that's a special Olympian." So it, it was always those things that that made it very special to bring those people aboard that sponsored it and helped fund it and helped do it with me. Yeah, well, because it's such a personal experience, right? Like if you. Um, you know, in their position, if you have a family member or you know someone close to you like that, it it strikes home, dude. That's a, it, I again, that just makes sense, dude. It's perfect. It, so, it does make sense, but it's a very simple premise that I don't think everybody understands. Mm-hmm. Rob, let's let's talk real quick about like some of some of you, you know your best uh, folks that you've taken out and some of, some of the cool stories and things that have happened on on the yeah. internet, man. Like, do you have a a couple of fish catches that stand out or, or, um, you know, any special, any special friends that you've met through this that you want to talk about? Yeah. Yeah. So we love the fish started. This is really, really great to understand how I started it. I just happened to work as, a, as an IT person for a nonprofit that supported those individuals. And I fished every morning before work. And there was one gentleman that every morning would see my boat out there. And he kept asking me to take him fishing. It was very, just kind of happened very organically. His name is Jamie. Every morning, ah, oh, I want to go fishing. So I finally was able to kind of clear some hurdles and talk to the, some people that he was involved with and get them out on the water. And I was scared out of my mind because I'd never, one, worked with the population, but two, I, I wasn't a fishing guy. I was like a tournament fisherman. So uh, our, the first ever We Love to Fish trip, this was even before We Love to Fish was really a thing. I just was taking them out. It was the worst weather day. I'm sure, Rob, being a guide, you can feel me. Uh, I know last week's episode you said that weather hasn't been too much of a factor in your guiding, but there's those days where you just pull up to the boat ramp and it's thundering and lightning and pouring and you just know, like, this is going to be a tough day. Oh, yeah, for sure. So that that was my first, you know, soiree into, you know, taking these guys fishing. It was it was brutal. It was, there was thunder and lightning. Uh, we finally were able to get out when there was a small break in the weather. And we were catching fish. Uh, but I was so scared the whole time because I'm with a gentleman that, you know, he, he had a lot of medical conditions on top of being intellectually disabled. And uh, so I, I was just scared out of my mind. Oh, yeah. It, it was one of those things I finally got to the point where the weather was getting bad again. I said, Jamie, you you just want to go in? Do you want to go in right now? And he looked at me so determined, and I will remember this forever. He said, no, I want to catch fish. <laughs> That's pretty and, simple, and dude. That, pretty strong. It, it, and right then, I was like, we're going to catch fish. And it turned, I, I swear to you, the skies opened up, the sun rained down. It wasn't even good conditions to catch fish after that small frontal condition thing had rolled through. But we, we caught 30 fish. We caught a ton of fish that day. And I still have that picture up in my office. Nice. Josh, I'll text you the picture when we're done so you guys can all see I'll it. I'll post it. And it, 
Jamie is so happy. He was with, uh, he had a staff member that was working with him, Ivan, and Ivan was from the Czech Republic, and he was like the coolest dude in the world. Ivan was all excited. It was like one of those moments where I just knew something had happened. Lightning had struck, and I knew that this was what I needed to do. And from then on, that I was like determined. Uh, that first year, I did 12 trips, and then I went to my wife and said, hey, I'm quitting my job, and I'm doing this. And the next year, I did over 150. Wow. So that just... That just tells you how important that trip was. But as far as folks that are special, um, you know, I, I have a lot of folks that are special. One that really stands out, uh, his name is Rick. Uh, I, I won't lose, use last names only for, you know, like privacy for families and, and out of respect. But Josh met Rick. Nick, you met, Nick, you, you, you met Rick. Yep. Uh, Rick was the coolest dude I will ever meet in my entire life. And I, 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 I'm not even exaggerating when I say that. I got to spend some of my greatest moments either on the water or even just kind of in, in fun guy time, having fun with Rick. He was, he, he was just so cool. He was like the guy's guy. All he wanted to do was he wanted to listen to music. He wanted to fish. He wanted to work hard. And he wanted to look at beautiful women. It was like the, <laughs> he loved the, talking about girls, dude. He, he was always, he was always awesome. you know, where we were, we would be like in the, like we went, there was one day I, I took him out. He wanted to go to a nice dinner. I went to this really nice dinner. And he says so loud about our waitress, like, wow, look how beautiful she is. And I'm like, look, look, you know, calm down. He's like, I'm a gentleman, Rob. I'm a gentleman. Everything, everything you ever did. So, Rob, I'm a gentleman. <laughs> he knew. But he knew. He, he was the man's man. But Rick, we, I took him fishing here in New England. We went at least three or four times a year. Uh, I was lucky enough to take him to Cayuga Lake when the elites were there one year, because he was really big into fishing. He always told me that every weekend he'd watch the Bassmasters when he was a kid. And so I was able to get him, you know, because of my work in the media side, I was able to get him a media badge for an elite event on Cayuga. And he got to sit backstage and he met everybody. And the guys that were fishing at that point were so good to him. He has pictures with Josh. He has pictures with Kevin. He's, you know, he had pictures with Ish. I mean, everybody, you name them, even Skeet. We all know Skeet sometimes can be a little honorary. Skeet walked right over, talked to him. I will forever be grateful for Skeet for that, you know, to, to Skeet for that. Rick was so excited because in his mind, he got to cover a Bassmaster event. He got to meet everyone backstage. He was taking photos. He was interviewing people. Uh, so, you know, that was a cool experience. And, of course, bringing Rick to Arizona was really the coolest. I got to take him to the Grand Canyon. And, you know, you got to see, you know, it goes beyond fishing. We love the fishes beyond fishing. I, I got to take a, a guy that had never really left Massachusetts, and I got to take him to the Grand Canyon. Think of somebody who their whole life has been in such a small area and goes out and sees this massive canyon that his, his reaction that day, I can't, I'm almost getting emotional talking about it because it was, so crazy. I, I still have that picture on, on my wall, too, of him sitting at the Grand Canyon. But unfortunately, Rick passed away a few years back. And But every year, I think it only drives me harder to make sure that we love to fish, thrive, and survive, is knowing that a guy like Rick got to live such an amazing experience through it. I mean, that's incredible, dude. I get what a what a just fuel to burn and just push on and, and make you know, make We Love to Fish even bigger and better in his honor. That's that's crazy. Talk about making that, a difference that, in someone's life, man. 
you know, it, you know, I made, I, I was able to make a difference, but it was really in my life. I, I, yeah. I unfortunately, I, I never got, I never got to say it to Rick, but I say this all the time because it's so sad with now. But everyone, everyone always tells me, oh, it's so great what you're doing. And it's not, it's almost selfish what I'm doing sometimes because I think I get more out of it than the folks I'm fishing with. You know, for me, it's almost. Yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah, I'm sorry to interject. What I'm thinking of as you say that, man, is a you know I I love self help books and I've read tons of them. Rob or Josh knows because I always try and get him to read them. But the the original man Zig Ziglar used to say, if you help enough people get what they want, then you're gonna have everything you want. And it's not a selfish thing, dude. But it's like one of the most beautiful like spin off products of helping people is that your own life you know, magnifies and it tremendously too. It does. And I've been able to then now pass this on to my daughter. Uh, I, I have a 10 year old daughter that her whole life now has been wrapped around her dad taking these folks out. What so a beautiful, she, you know, example that is. She understands it. She's also, you know, typical of a young kid, very inappropriate at times about it, which she's very loud. Just like your dad. Just, just like me. I, there was one day, <laughs> We, we were at a restaurant, we were on family vacation, and my, my, my daughter's gotten to know the special people that, that dad works with. And she, obviously, they, there was a group there eating at the restaurant, and it, it's unfortunately, sometimes that population sticks out, so she was like kind of talking to me about, hey, that's somebody that used to take fishing, and we ended up paying for their dinner because we were so excited. But she said, so loud, right as the restaurant got quiet, daddy, those are the special people you take out, and like pointed, and I was just like, mortified like head down like man, like yes sweetie doing. yes <laughs> yeah not everyone in the restaurant's gonna know the context there yes yeah so but that's i think one of the coolest parts about my all my experiences in the fishing industry with we love to fish even in the business world if you can't sit back and laugh about those crazy times or those fun little moments i mean you know i'm, I'm like giggling and laughing like a little school kid because it, it brings it makes me so happy just to even talk about it yeah, man. Well, you're doing God's work. So where's well, it at now, Rob? I know, dude, they're, they're over the last couple of years, uh, you've had to do a lot of moving and shaking with the program. Uh, what's the scoop right now? Where's it at? And, and what are you doing with it? So when when I was building We Love to Fish, I was very lucky that a bigger nonprofit came in and kind of took me under their wing. And I was a social enterprise under the nonprofit, so under their 503 fundraising unit. I was able to be under them. I was an employee of the nonprofit, so I never had to take a salary out of We Love to Fish, which was really the goal. Like, who wants to fundraise just to take that money away for a salary? Well, really, that money should go towards the folks that we're serving. Right. And it was really a great marriage for a long time. We, we had eight seasons, so it was awesome. We were doing 150 to 200 trips a year for eight seasons. They were employing me. It was great. Um, we all know kind of the last, year or so how the, the landscape financially and the economy and things that have gone on. Uh, but one of the things that has, has really happened is that the funding landscape for folks with disabilities has really changed in all states, especially in Massachusetts. Oh. You know, and, and because of that, uh, the, the department that the, the, the department in the state that handles all the funding for, for folks in that realm, they last year they were underfunded and they had to cut all non-essential programs basically. So uh, for me, unfortunately, We Love to Fish was a program that got cut. We lost all of our funding. Uh, I had to be laid off as an employee of that nonprofit. Uh, I lost everything that, that was part of the, the We Love to Fish. Uh, I even had to buy my boat back. 
because uh, that was property of uh, We Love the Fish. And that was actually Josh's boat, if you guys want a fun tidbit. It was Josh's boat from his first elite year. That, that I love it. Uh, That's the Orlando uh, Magic boat. It's black and blue, right? Yeah. It is. Yep, yep. So, you know, I, I, took, I took a really hit. I'm not going to lie. It was a hit, not just for We Love the Fish. I, I really took it personal, too. Uh, it, it's been very hard the last year to go from living my dream of helping these folks to suddenly having to go get a job in the business world. And uh, kind of on the side, I've been working hard to figure out the right funding, uh, make sure that we're no longer a social enterprise. And now we're working towards, I just filed our paperwork for our full 503CB. So we're nice. fully nonprofit instead of a, a, a social enterprise. Uh, and then, so for the last year, I can't believe I did this. I put on a suit every day and I went to work as a marketing director again. And I went and worked in, if there's any dentists that listen to the show, I don't want to offend them. But I worked it for a dental firm for the last year, and I've hated every moment of it. <laughs> Don't listen to that. Every Keith. <laughs> listening. Dude. Every I, I hated every moment of it, but that really <laughs> started my fire burning again, and I knew that that's not what I wanted to do. And so, two months ago, luckily, I was able to find another nonprofit that is willing to help me build We Love the Fish back up. So while now it will always be my own, it will always be you know a, a full nonprofit. Uh, these folks, again, like the last one, have employed me to work with folks with disabilities. I'm currently working with folks with traumatic brain injuries and building group homes for them and kind of marketing out into you know, the, the world for fundraising. But we're taking some of that and we're pulling the resources back to We Love the Fish. And we were going to relaunch. So this spring, we were 100% going to relaunch. It was going to be back. But because of COVID, you know, that it's kind of oh. taken a backseat. But I am very, very proud to say that I know next spring, when the snow and the ice thaw in good old tundra of Massachusetts, uh, we will be back on the water fishing with those folks. Awesome. That's cool. And you've got, you've got, yeah, you've got the entire, you know, fall and winter to prepare, man, and have everything in line, dude. That's, that's going to be, I know sooner would be better, but that's going to be a good timeline. It, it, it is going to be a good timeline, but also for me, uh, where, where I messed up last time was it, it took off so quick because of, I, I was so excited because so many people have the need to, to take advantage of the program and, and fish that I, I didn't build it right. I kind of just was like, so, so, you know, this is a nonprofit's going to have me in their umbrella. This is great. I don't need to work on all, all I need to do is just fish with these guys and find the guys that want to take advantage of it. But now, now that I'm going to be building it financially and doing all the fundraising, I'll basically be a, a team of one. I will do everything that I can build it right and we're going to have a great foundation. So the hit that we had to take over the last year is never going to happen again because now I know I don't have to worry about a third-party funding source. I didn't need to worry. If the, if the state has budget cuts, well, it's not going to affect me because I'm going to be hustling, you know, I'm in the winter and doing fundraising and making sure that we are on the water all spring and summer. So, you know, while at the time I was really upset and it was really hard personally for me, I'm very excited because now I know that, you know, my, my, my baby's going to thrive. I know that I can make this work. I, I don't care if I have to work, you know, 120 hours a week. I will work 24 hours a day, 365. I will work all day long to make sure that these guys get on the water and get what they need. It's incredible, man. And, you know, in life, you look at setbacks or times of challenge, and it's almost just like those are refining points, right? And so it's this, this painful spot just kind of helps you refine and learn those lessons and dude, 2021 you're going to come out bigger better and swinging harder 
you are right. Especially, Nick, if, if you're a guy that likes the self-help stuff, uh, I'm, like, obsessed with TED Talks. Nice. I'm obsessed with – so also, like, have you listened to any Simon Sinek stuff? No, I haven't. So you should I'll, – I'll, I'll, I'll send you some stuff because I, too, get very bored. And if I can't sleep, I, like, sit for hours and watch some of the stuff and read some of the stuff. Yeah. But all – but, you know, when, when you watch some of these amazing folks that do TED Talks, they all have a common motif there that they've – you know, they have suffered some sort of setback. I don't – you know, you, you can do something and you can have a fire burning – but unless you fail once, I don't, I don't think you can truly build it. Like, I don't, nothing ever comes easy, and it's very hard to think that I'm going to build this and it's going to be 100% right all the time. So the setback happened, but I'm only seeing that as, as a jumping point now, that I know where it failed, and I know not to do that again. So yeah, I'm, man. I'm just excited. Yeah, it's the analogy of, like, lifting weights, right? Like, you, you get stronger by, you know— picking in, in the, that soreness and that pain and working through those things, it makes you stronger. You're such a better man than I, than I Nick. I, I think of the analogy of drinking beer. Like, the more beer I drink, the more beer I'll be able to drink in the future. You know, Tolerance, like baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like that analogy better. I'll give you that. <laughs> well, that's relatable for all of us and probably a lot of our listeners, too, dude. That's hilarious. That's great, dude. That's cool, man. Well... <clears throat> Uh, we don't want to take too much of your time. I know we're kind of in the middle of a workday, Rob. But we uh, don't want to piss off the dentists. Yeah, no, well, no. So, 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 so I actually left the dentist two months ago, and they were really wonderful people. They, they really believed in me. We worked really hard, but I knew my heart wasn't there, and they knew it too. So, like I said, that other nonprofit that has come aboard, they're employing me. Uh, I'm really excited. I've been opening up. A lot of, we've been moving folks out of nursing homes and coming into their own apartments for the first time. So, like, I have two gentlemen today that for five or six years they've lived in a nursing home that we moved them into their own independent, you know, apartment, and they're able to thrive in the community and do things they've never been able to do before. They got to be so. Strong. I'm excited about this. Oh, you should see the first time like a woman walked by with a dog walking the dog. I don't know if he was more excited to see the dog or the woman. It was absolutely hysterical. He was like, look, 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 look what's outside. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's cool, dude. Uh, that's awesome, man. Well. Uh, what else do you guys have? Uh, do you guys have any other any other questions before we let you roll, man? I I, I don't want to uh, get too far off our timeline here. I mean, well, I could a, probably talk about this all day, so I'm sorry I I, I kind of kept talking, guys. No, no dude, dude, that's that's why we had you on. Well, let me ask you this, Rob. Uh, yeah. What what can we do from our end, or uh, what can our listeners do to to help the program out, dude? So. Uh, we, I should be launching, I've been building it here when it, in the last couple of weeks, I've been building our new website. So within a week, you'll be able to go to we love the fish dot org. Uh, uh, hopefully it'll be up by Monday when this airs, but uh, I'm doing my best to get that going. There will at least be a, a landing page, but if you go to we love the fish dot org, you can find some more information out about the program, more about some of the fun stories and the trips we've taken over the years. But where I need help is, is one of the things that we've always done is everybody that fishes with me then gets some sort of tackle and fishing rod afterwards to continue their passion of fishing. So uh, we will be doing a drive here fairly shortly to kind of collect some fishing gear to give to the folks that fish with us. And that way they can kind of fish on their own. And obviously once I start fundraising, you know, it, this is going to be all hands on deck for me. Like I'll be big borrowing, stealing from all my friends in the fishing industry trying to get people to help me share posts, you know, share some fundraising, you know, initiatives that we're, we're doing. Uh, but, but really I always tell people just, 
if you could spend spend some time with you know that population you know volunteer at the special Olympics. find find somebody in your area that you can just spend an afternoon with you you, you can change their life but you can change yours too I, I think Josh you can probably talk about how you know you and Rick kind of bonded and he was so excited always wants you it, it can really make no a doubt. difference no doubt man yeah I, I remember fishing with him so well, and uh, we stayed in touch. I know I had a few phone calls that, you know, that uh, you had, had kind of helped us connect. And, uh, dude, I remember a few years ago when he wasn't doing so well. It was tough times. You were there seeing him every day, man. And uh, it was it was, it was was sad when, when he had passed, for, for sure. But he, he's, he was a, such, a, such a special guy, man. I'll never forget him. Uh, well, I, and his family definitely appreciated how, how, how cool his experience was with you. Dude, it was it was all you, dude. We get absolutely zero credit for that one. That was that was all you, um, and, and I've got you to thank for that. But uh, that's great. That's a, that's a really good point, man. And uh, it's it's just talking to you uh, for the last thirty minutes has been inspiring and inspired me to want to 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 do more in that arena for sure, man. Well, I'm I'm definitely excited to get this going, but I'm also excited that it it, it means a lot when when you guys ask me to come aboard and. and talk about this today whenever i can get partners like all three of you to talk about it and we can kind of get this going it makes me very excited so i'm definitely appreciative heck yeah and we'll keep we'll keep the listeners uh posted and then yeah maybe next summer man we can circle back and see how it's going for you dude uh talk about uh what you have going on but um you said we love to fish.org yep yep that 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 is our website uh, it's probably under construction but they can go to we love to fish.org uh they can contact me on there um and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of just, we're, we're, we're starting slow and, and moving there, but really equipment is the big thing. Once we start these equipment drives to get rods and reels in the hands of the guys that we're fishing with, so they, once they're done with me, they can continue. That, that's really going to be a big thing. Cool, man. That makes, makes complete sense. Right on. Real quick, before I let you go, like these, Nick and Rob were asking me, what, what's he think about, uh, and I'm sure you've been asked a million times, dude, but like, are you actually going to root for the Buccaneers a little bit, or are those guys dead to you? So they're not dead to me. I, I will always love Tom Brady. Likewise. Um, I mean, I'm not going to lie. He looked like a, like an odd cat in that Buccaneers uniform. Did, did you see the picture of him in the Buccaneers uniform? Well, yeah, I have. It's, it's terrible, dude. <laughs> I actually I, I told my daughter, I said, if you ever see somebody with that jersey on, don't talk to them. You never take candy from a person in that uniform. Yeah, so there you go. They're not to be trusted <laughs> at all. <clears throat> No, but in, in, in all seriousness, I I love Tom Brady. I love Gronk. How can you not love Gronk? But I am very much a Bill Belichick guy. The hoodie is the man. And it's exciting. To, I mean, to have a guy like Cam Newton now, such an athlete, I, I mean, it's going to be different, but I'll always love the Patriots. The, the last 20 years, just to say you're a Patriots fan, to see the things that you've seen, I mean, I, I'll always love them. And I'll always be appreciative of Brady, but I will not watch one Buccaneers game and cheer for him at all this year. <laughs> Mic drop. Yeah, no yep. doubt. We've been spoiled as Patriots fans. Like every every single year, you know, after the year, whether they won the Super Bowl or they had a great run, it was like, man, you know, how many fans have been this spoiled and this lucky, dude? So it, yeah, it's very hard to complain and be bitter. But um, yeah, man, we'll see, man. We'll see what they can do with Newton. I'm sure, I'm sure that Belichick uh, has some uh, has some grand plans. Do you guys want to hear a funny fact before we go? Please. So uh, my daughter is, is going to be 10 years old this year. 
In my daughter's entire life, the Patriots have been to five Super Bowls. They've won three of the five. They've been to nine AFC championship games. That's so just not even fair. It's not even like she doesn't even understand. When I was a kid, the Patriots were lucky to win a game a year with the worst quarterback ever and Steve Grogan. So it's so funny to me now that um, she, she doesn't know what to expect. She's like, what do you mean they're going to lose? They never lose. <laughs> they're the Patriots. They're the Patriots. They win every time. But so it's, it's really fun. I'm excited to watch the games with my daughter because they're going to be more interesting now. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's going to be a good life lesson for her, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, take it, kid. Take take this loss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right on, dude. Hey, we'll let you get back to it, dude. But uh, thanks again, man. And uh, we'll be in touch really soon. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Rob, I hope that one day you and I can connect on the water. What's that? He said, hopefully, you can get on the water one day. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. I look forward to it for sure. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks again for listening to the podcast, guys. Rob is such a great dude, and it was inspirational to talk to him today, honestly. I hope you guys have a great week, and go catch a few fish next week before we're back at you again. See ya.